0: hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the rams in white property finance podcast It's myself manager, manager and founder of rams in white and it gives me great pleasure to introduce our guest today uh, from one of the lenders that we work closely with so i've got gabby that TV. Uh, she could tell me if I'm correctly. Um, but no, Gabby, we work closely with Gabby. She's one of the business development managers at Lambay, which is one of the specialist lenders who uh, operate in, in the finance market um, and for property investors. So they've got some really fantastic products. Gabby's got a wealth of knowledge in this market. And I wanted to bring her on to give her perspective of what's going on in the market, uh, what products are available to you as borrowers and investors, and just a little bit of a, more of an insight to help you with your property business. So, Gabby. Uh, I know you're super busy so thank you very much for joining me today.
1: It's okay thank you for inviting me.
0: <laughs> Gabby, um, so do you want to let the audience know a little bit more about yourself and your role at um, Land Bay and, and who Landbay are?
1: Yeah of course, um, so I joined Landbay about 18 months ago I think it was um, although the last however many last year was a bit of a blur <laughs> with everything that was happening um, I came from a brokerage beforehand, um, so it was nice to have that sort of, um, I'd always dealt with buy-to-let cases. I'd actually used Lambay as a broker before, so it was nice to see either side. Um, so Lambay started in 2014, um, but we've massively increased since then. Um, I mean, the team size has probably like doubled in size over the last couple of years when I joined and everything like that. Um, We are probably more on your specialist side of the market, so maybe not with like your likes of your vanilla lenders of TMW, BM Solutions, um, but your Kents, your Precise, your Paragons, that sort of area. Um, We deal with big HMOs and multi-units, SPVs, uh, different types of limited companies, all that sort of stuff.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, so I looked on, I looked, I've done a bit of research on Lambay, and as you said, they started in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, first mortgage was funded in July 2014, and then it's been, it's been growth on growth by the looks of it. Um, if we fast forward to 2015, become a member of the Intermediary Mortgage Lender Association, um, establish yourselves with strategic partnerships with Zoopla Property Group, uh, which is obviously a massive property group in the UK. Uh, 2016, first peer-to-peer platform to join the Council of Mortgage Lenders, now UK finance um, it goes on to 2017 launch of innovative finance ISA, uh, nominated best buy to let lender at the mortgage introducer awards. Uh, March that year you lent up to 100 million, which is great. And then you know 2018 uh, finalist at the British Specialist Lending Awards. Uh, Land Landbay was appointed uh, position 20th of the Deloitte Fast uh, Rank 50 uh, ranking. So that's probably where the growth is talking about so buy yes. to let lenders of the year 2018 and then 2019 was a great year as well property finance platform of the year um buy to let mortgage lender of the year uh buy to let lender uh, of the year from the financial report awards and the mortgage awards and the best yes. specialist lender 2019 as well so um yeah. that's amazing and then just there's some additional information total lending today is 677 million uh total mortgage funded 2750 and with a total property value of 910 million. So you've been very active since 2014. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> You're well qualified to come on the podcast and talk about Land Bay and how they can help the clients. Um, yeah. With all that lending going on, have you seen any trends in the market, um, particularly around HMOs, buy-to-let service accommodation? What, what's land of yeah. view on that?
1: I think actually um, the HMO and multi-unit stuff has probably increased. Definitely in my area, you've probably got landlords looking for that bigger yield at the moment, which they can get out of those properties. Um, I am seeing a little bit more on the side of um, layered limited companies as well. So for example, client has a development company that builds the properties. They then decide after to transfer it into an SPV They'd use a directive loan or an intercompany loan to do that. And normally, that new SPV, the shareholding is 100% owned by the development company. We're okay with things like that. It seems to be, we obviously don't give tax advice, but the reason that they do it by the sounds of it is because it's more tax efficient. Um, so I'm seeing a little bit more of that. Um, I think this year, at the start of this year, obviously we're only, what, 14 days in. I've seen a lot of um, inter-family sales, but I don't know if that's just a common trend that people are doing at the moment, but a lot of gifted equity between maybe buying it from grandparents or buying it from um, mum or dad or mum and dad trying to get son onto the property market, that sort of thing really, I think it seems to be the trend at the moment.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. So you mentioned layered limited company, which is great to hear that you guys are operating in that space. I mean, a lot of lenders who offer SPV lending, limited company lending, don't actually allow for layered limited company. And actually from a tax point of view, um, it can be more tax efficient. Um, so we do see a lot of clients trying to have, you know, they have got trading businesses, they've got their SPV for holding properties and they've got their development company. And they're kind of all interlinked to move the funds now funds around to be more tax efficient again so how would that work from a borrower's point of view does the directors have to be the same on each company or can you have multiple directors how would that look
1: so we just want there to be at least one common director over the two so for example you had two business partners on the development company but only one of them was on the um new spb that's okay with us because one person is common over the two
0: makes sense uh, and do you, do you if, if there was, um, if there, do, do you work with expats and foreign nationals, or is it...
1: Not at the, not at the moment, we, um, we were in that space previously, um, we weren't getting a massive amount of business on it, and I think that might have been maybe our offering wasn't, um, just wasn't relevant to whatever people, the, the people that were using it, or maybe rate-wise it wasn't working. Um, so we came out of that space. We are hoping that we might potentially go back into that, but it's all up in the air at the moment. Fingers crossed for 2021.
0: <laughs> and I guess what, obviously, often everyone knows what happened last year and it's great to see Lambay still here and trading. And um, that, 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 you know, that's the most important thing, isn't it? I think uh, when it's all kicked off, lenders, do, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of changes. We've seen like 500 changes across 15 lenders with criteria changes, loan-to-value's going down, loan to going up, rates going up and <laughs> down. And it was like, what's going on? You know, you almost needed the. I needed the broker to tell me what's going on to tell the clients. There was so much information flying around, um, but I think under, underneath it all, the lenders ultimately just wanted to trade through this, be able to service their clients. Obviously, there was bounce back loans, there was furlough going on, there was working from home, uh, there was mm-hmm. a holiday payment as well. Uh, mortgage holidays payments, so there's a lot of admin to do in the background for for companies and, and lenders alike. So I think lenders just wanted to strategically position themselves where they could lend on the other side and where like exceptions were allowed. Normally they had to tighten up their belt, which is completely understandable from my point of view and from a lender from an investor's point of view. It's better to have funders available than than no funders, right? Or limited funders because then the rates are going to be. Um, astronomical and it's going to be not cost effective to do deals so no. off the back of last year how what's the sentiment at land bay at the moment moving into 2021 how do they see things is it perceived with caution or is
1: positive it- <laughs> we're hoping and um, yeah as you said it was a difficult time last year there was difficult conversations that we, that had to be had um obviously you know you're kind of at the whim of of the funders if they decide and decide to lower loan to values or we can't do exceptions anymore or something that was in policy that they decided they didn't want to touch potentially and so I know a couple of lenders came out of like capital raising or they came out of student lets we we did stay in that sort of market um, but yeah it, it's hard when you've got a, a case and you know you've got a relationship with a broker and you're having to have that really difficult conversation with them I think right at the start it was more difficult as we started to go through it. I think brokers were having the same conversations with most lenders and they started to un- understand that we really didn't want to have those conversations with you but we just had to and to tell you what, what's going on. Um, we have returned to 80% lender value um, as well as, which is lovely. Um, we didn't know if we'd see the day <laughs> um, and 75% on the, most of our products. The only stuff is still, that's still at 70 is any large HMOs. Um, so in terms of the new year, we just wanna grow as a lender, um, be that leading um, partner for, for funders, um, that buyer select lender that people know about and you go to and you know, we're at the top of, as much as top high of the sourcing system as we can, we can get, because I know I, I understand all of you guys source, that, that's the way you do it. Um, and just building as many relationships as possible um, putting our offering out to it so as many people can access
0: us sort of amazing so let's talk about that then so that's good news so you're 80 loan to value and can <laughs> i ask about the rate how does that look what does that product look like
1: Three,
0: so it's 3.99 3.99 and then is there like a lender arrangement fee on that as well
1: 2%
0: 2% okay you can uh,
1: add that to the loan though if it fits within the rental cap
0: okay had to loan if it fits within the rental calculation and um what is that on is that on buy to let is that hmos multi-unit free? it's uh, on buy
1: to let just on um, pure standard buy to let yeah
0: okay and then for someone looking to get their first buy to let or move or move into this space um do they need experience in terms of uh, property in the background how do you assess kind of first time landlords
1: so with us they don't need to be a homeowner they just need to own a property so if they own a buy to let that's fine um we do have um the rule that as long as one person hits the rules yeah your application is okay so if you have two applicants say one person's first time buyer first time landlord but the other one is a homeowner or they have a buy to let then as long as that person that is the owner of a property hits the rules in their own right, so they hit the minimum income, um, which would be 25 if they've never been a landlord before and 20 uh, and 15 if they've been a landlord for 24 months, as long as they hit it, it doesn't matter that the other person on the application is first time landlord person. Got
0: it. And you know, with the 80% product where, how do you assess the portfolio if there's a portfolio in the background does that have to be a certain loan to value or could that all be 80 percent or 70 percent? where are you guys with that
1: so in terms of our background portfolio we don't have a max loan to value at all um it's 125 at five is the stress as a whole as it all added up together
0: okay amazing
1: same okay. on whatever product you go on it, it that's just always our background stress
0: And you mentioned earlier about uh, landlords chasing yield or like looking for the higher yielding assets. And we see that a lot of the HMOs or, you know, sweating the equity in or the asset to, to maximize the return Um, on your products. then, what, so you obviously, we we spoke about, you got to buy to that 80% obviously then comes down 75, 75, 65, et cetera. Um, What other products are you kind of offering at the moment that would be of interest to the investor market? Like the HMOs, the multi-unify free block, how would that be structured?
1: Okay, so we we have some stuff which is um quite popular at the moment with free valuations on five years, but they are on standard lets. So they um you've got you've got two options. There is a, a 3.65, which is stressed at pay rate, um, which can be great if you've got anything, especially in current market, if there's any down valuations or anything like that. Um, and then you've got a 3.55, which has a minimum loan of 250, and that one is stressed at an ICR of five. So it's it's whichever way that it it can fit. Um, We do have some, so basically our products can be used for limited company and for personal, it doesn't. We don't have two different ranges. We do have some tracker products, which don't have ERCs. At 75%, they are 3.55. They do have 2% arrangement fees but it gives that client the flexibility at the moment if they don't know what they're going to do with the buy to let, where they're going to go with it. Basically, Um, Anything on your HMO side, 75% loan to value up to six. That's what we count as small. And then on the large stuff, um, which is seven to 12, um, then it's 70%. But with our multi-unit offering, it's not, we don't, it doesn't have to be flat. So you could have, um, an eight-bedroom HMO with a one-bed self-contained flat on the top. That would be a two-unit multi-unit, and we'd cut that small. So it's, it's quite. it can be quite good. You get smaller rates.
0: Oh, that, that, that's quite good then. I think some <laughs> brokers may think on a on a property like that, they would have to look at more like a commercial lender, so uh-huh. like, where the rates would be slightly higher, so actually it's a bit more yeah. cost-effective. Go with yourselves, who you can a bit flexible and and look at that so Mm -hmm. in in terms of HMOs and how many let's look at how many what's the maximum amount of rooms that uh, an investor can have on all of yourselves on on one HMO
1: 12.
0: 12 okay you did just say that 12 bedroom HMO and what what experience would they need if any
1: so we'd like them to have 12 months experience in Vitalet um so even if it was a one bedroom studio flat that they've got as long as they've had that for at least 12 months and we can prove that they've done that then that's okay for us okay Um, and
0: the the max loan to value on that 75% loan. yeah yeah. okay so that's great so they've literally got one buy to let in the background does it have to be uh, so 12 months buy to let experience
1: 12 months yeah 12 months.
0: and that can be a studio single let. yeah account, it can be anything yeah and it can go into 12 bed hmos and and again 12 bed hmos normally 10 8 anything got 8 and above would be seen as more as a commercial proposition a yield yield yes. valuation and like you're looking at your lenders like your hampshire trust and your shorebrook cambridge accounting yeah. etc mm-hmm. what so how do how do land, what's lambay's view on hmos when it comes to bricks and mortar these commercial valuations how do you assess that
1: So we usually instruct a valuer, so if it's anything sort of up to six, we instruct a valuer to do an investment valve on the property. It's taken with a pinch of salt just because um, as much as we instruct it, it is down to the valuer to decide whether they do that or not. If, for example, you've got a row of terraced houses that are all family-let and you've got one HMO at the end, and there's not any around, he's going to say, I can't do an investment battle because there's no comparables. I'm going to have to go to bricks and mortar. So um, that, that's how we do it. If if most of the time, the areas that they are, there are a couple, but sometimes they do have to go deviate back to, to bricks and mortar just because there's no comparables for it.
0: Yeah, I guess what we say to our investors is always <laughs> like, do your due diligence on the area, speak to local HMO, letting agents, sales agents yes. and see what the comparables, if there are any. And then before we send it an application speak to myself, I can speak to yourself, Gary, Gabby, and we can put a package together to make sure we're giving the best advice to the, to the investor.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I think there's, there's a different, some people prefer investment vows. I think they were a, most, I think most le, um, clients saw that and just thought, yeah, I want this. I always want it, but sometimes it can't, it, it might not always be the best. They might not always get the best value. So yeah, having brokers look into it as well as looking, speaking to estate agents, all that sort of stuff. It helps us put the best package forward with
0: the client. Yeah, well, sometimes the land value is actually more than the the yield exactly. value, so it actually does make mm-hmm. more sense to have the bricks and mortar. So it's really important mm-hmm. to understand that, not just go oh, yeah. you know, commercial valuation. The thing is as well, when you get com- with the commercial lenders, if you pay for a, a commercial valuation, the valuation fees higher, the rates are higher. Mm-hmm. um and if it gets valued on a bricks and mortar, all that normally happens is the property gets downvalued and then they'll lend to you at, on that, uh, say 75% against that bricks and mortar, mm. uh, but you're still paying commercial rates. So if it actually is a bricks and mortar product or value that you, you think you can get, then maybe the bricks and mortar product is what you want to go with. Um, but yeah. obviously your product is the same, but it's just cheaper. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Then. The
1: as pricing is exactly the same for, for all yeah. of them, for the just
0: keep cheaper than the commercial lenders all right cool um hot topics uh you know service accommodation took a bit of a hit last year um seems to be some lenders are moving back into that space something land bay would consider or is it kind of no no for now what's your thoughts on that i i
1: don't know we're we're all praying for holiday lets that seems to be the hot thing um yeah service accommodation and holiday lets and stuff like that is not something that we do at the moment it's not to say that maybe we might do it at some point i don't know um but yeah at the minute it's just purely plain by let. the same as like you know we don't do any semi-commercial or anything at the minute either um it's not to say never say never (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah well the thing is you guys have been going since 2014 you've had an amazing run in terms of the lending you've got out the door so it's perfecting what you're good at already and just building on that and i think you do yes. have a go by to proposition hmo multi-unit freehold block uh, we're seeing more investors move into that space um yeah. obviously you do the layered companies limited companies i believe you do llps as well you yes that? we do we don't we
1: don't get a massive amount of them anymore but we still do them yeah
0: yeah, I mean, I think setting up an LLP in itself is quite expensive, so it really has to yes. be tax-efficient. Uh, I think if you're looking at setting up an LLP or limited company, then do speak to a specialist tax accountant to see what's right for you, because what's right for you might be different to someone else, so don't just copy you know, someone you met in a property event and just doing what they're, what they, what they're doing, you've got to kind of look at your own income and projective growth of the business and, um, and structure around your your plans. Um, an accountant can help you with that. And also look at the strategy as well, because you might have a strat- strategy, which is, for example, LLP um, and then some uh, commercial conversions. You need the right lenders to fit in with that as well. So it's really important mm-hmm. you get all your ducks in the row. Um, mm-hmm. So i've got some more uh like stats of you guys of where you're kind of you've lent a lot and it, and I just want to go through it to, with yourself so uh greater London, just under fifty percent you've lent there north west just over ten percent east of mm-hmm. England, just under eight percent east midlands um, just under four percent you've got southeast over fifteen percent south west just over seven percent west midlands just over four uh, just under five percent and Northeast. Uh, under 3% and in Wales where we're we're based in Cardiff um, only 1.35% so um, where I guess obviously greater London there's uh, bigger demand there's big population Mm -hmm. Uh, are you you restricted in where you'll go it looks like you'll go all over but you know would tell me about how you kind of look at it
1: it's minimum property value which is is probably determining those figures Um, so our Mm -hmm. minimum value is 75 yeah. Thousand. um so and as much as i obviously cover wales sometimes the brokers that i have there don't really submit anything where the properties are in wales they're all over the place sort of yeah. things um yeah and the same within the north um yeah property values again um you know a lot you know the same as in you probably know yourself in swansea a lot of the time a lot of the buy are 50 60 grand something like that or even if they're just on the cusp so maybe they're just 75 or they're 78 or 80 it's that worry of maybe a down value so maybe you would try with someone that that, that was lower potentially so i think that that's probably
0: yes i think they're spot on i think like you said uh, Swansea up into the valleys i've got an investment company where me and my business partner paul we invest in buy to and you can pick them up for like 50 60 65 you know you do mm. the work on them they're worth 90 100 but it is if you feel like there might be a slight down valuation and so you say so yeah because you're gonna obviously you've got some free valuations at the moment which is great but it's um it's yes time and stuff so that's good to know um okay so what about scotland do you guys look at scotland or is it kind of you no know?
1: not at the moment um we deal with brokers there um but yeah we don't um we don't lend in scotland at the moment Um i don't know if that'll change at any point but again never say never yeah
0: <laughs> slightly different legislation up in scotland yes i think that's
1: why it makes it a little bit more complicated so.
0: there's a, yeah there's a few lenders in the market that will lend but postcodes uh, specific okay cool so um a lot of our investor clients have set their goals for the year how they're going to move forward put their business together you know h- how they can like build a robust portfolio from a lender's point of view have you got any tips for investors kind of putting their finance package together or how they should structure moving forward? Uh,
1: just doing everything as open, as honestly as possible um, making sure you're not taking out too much. So your background portfolio isn't too highly stressed. Um, and maybe not... I don't want to say, don't keep your eggs all in one basket, but just maybe a variety of different types of lending. Um, maybe some HMO multi-units, so maybe some standard, maybe a mixture of everything I'd say probably. It keeps you as safe as possible. I, I think that's personally how I, I would look at it.
0: Uh, no, I couldn't agree more. You know, you, First thing you said, honesty. So being honest, I guess with yourself, it, it starts yeah. being honest with yourself because I see investors put deals together. And um they're 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 massaging the numbers to make it work. And it's like you're just massaging your ego or your just desire to really want to be in property or make this deal work, but actually trying to take your emotion out of it and look at it for what it is. Is it gonna be a good return? Does it make sense? Does it meet the metrics um that set my business and being honest? And then I guess moving that honesty into uh being transparent with your brokers or your solicitors, you know, where's the money coming from? Um, mm-hmm. have you saved it? Have you raised it privately? You know, uh, is there debt in the background? I think the more honest you can be, then the more streamlined the process will be, and the better the feedback you'll get exactly. your team around you. And as an investor, you should look at you know, you've you got your mortgage advisor, you've got your solicitor, you've got your accountant, you've got your lenders, you've got your builders. So, ultimately, there is a team around you. Um, and, and being honest in, in your approach to, to your to business will have a better uh, return. On, on the results, in my opinion. So yeah. that's great. Loan to value, I think that's another key thing. Obviously, you guys, you do have an 80% product, which mm-hmm. obviously is good that there's confidence in that space. Um, uh, for me personally, as a investor, investor, I like to see in the portfolio at seven percent um, you know, that's manageable. But I I just always look at like the past, you know, like 2007, 2008. Say if the market drops, what position does that leave you in as as an investor? So I do see a lot of investors trying to stretch themselves. And I always ask, what is the contingency? Do you have a fund available? You know, I understand if you're building. And then maybe you're going to sell some properties to pay down that debt, or you're going to do some flips to pay down that debt, or you have other business interests to help pay down that debt. Um, But it's really important to have that in place. So loan to value is crucial. And obviously, the lower the loan to value, the higher the, uh, the, the, normally the lower the rate and the higher return of income that you're going to receive in the portfolio. So that's really important to manage that. Um, And then you mentioned about other strategies, other business models, models, so maybe HMOs, buy-to-lets, and multi-unit freeholds. Um, yeah. I think that's what you'd call like diversification, I guess, in, yes. terms, of, in terms of strategies. It's obviously mm. still property related. Uh, and I think uh, yeah, that, that's important to kind of de-risk maybe different locations, maybe different uh, tenants, yeah. types of tenants. But that does yeah. bring me to my next point on types of tenants because we get asked all the time, um, professionals, students, social housing, Mm-hmm. <laughs> where where you got where do you guys fit in where, where's your appetite for for kind of the type so, of so
1: professionals student lets all fine with us um, the only thing that we can't do is if it was um something where there is a come if we're doing like a corporate let or a company let where they are housing any sort of vulnerable um tenants if there's a charity or something like that that's the only thing that we we can't really do
0: yeah because reputational risk i'd imagine right
1: yeah more so than anything yeah it's it, it it's just that that stigma and uh, if if something were to happen worst case scenario and and you repossess that that's that sort of and going into like if it was anything to do with um like young vulnerable adults or anything like that it's just probably not we're just not the best people to be to in be. that space
0: it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I understand the run, uh, the reputational risk and that, that's been the sentiment yeah. of, of a lot of lenders over the last few years but um, if you look at the figures a lot of them products or properties in the market have performed well during COVID yeah. because the charities are guaranteeing or the social housing providers are guaranteeing the rent for yeah. the landlord and obviously then apparently they will keep it the way it was given to them when they return it so from... A risk point of view, I guess it's low risk in terms of they're not defaulting as long as they take the money and, and, and pay yourself So, um something maybe to feedback, but I I understand your point of view. But of course, I have yeah. a lot of lenders kind of um, look at that market space over the last. Yeah, year. there That's is it. there
1: is quite a lot. I know there's a couple that that do it, and there's quite a lot that that don't touch it at all. Mm. Um again not to say it again but like never say never it might be something that that we look into more more seriously i know that at the moment we don't really do anything with a guaranteed rent scheme because it, it usually the idea behind it is it's normally inflated so that's the reason that they don't potentially like it yeah um, but yeah it it you never know it it might change in, in the course of yeah. the year um i know i know what you mean that there, there is a lot a lot of the time it has been like a low risk sort of
0: yeah, I think just I think just uh, it wouldn't have come up before because of COVID and people were looking at strategies that were, were performing well, and um, that was one of them. The the, the mm-hmm. social housing kind of looked to outperform a lot, a lot of other kind of strategies, which I just thought was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so obviously we hear a lot about the business model by refurb, refinance, investors like this to kind of maximise their uh, their money that they've got and build a portfolio quicker so basically taking using their funds to invest in property using the right finance to momentum invest, i guess to build a portfolio in a in a quicker in a quicker quicker way uh to get them the income they need and the equity they want so that being said um they normally want to refinance sooner than you know the six month kind of guideline council mortgage lenders what's your what's land base view on refinance within six months can it be done or is it you wait six months
1: potentially so um if it is so for example so we do day one remortgage up to full market value so if client bought the property at auction um or they bought it cash because it was in a no fit state for lending um they can do the work to that property say it takes them two months or three months or however long it takes to how bad it is (laughs) um and then we will refinance that as soon as it's ready to go. We just need it to be ready, letable, on completion for us to have a look at it. We'll work off full market value if they have done significant work. So kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, walls, that sort of stuff. Um, if they've just painted it, that's not enough. Um, we can still do that, but we'll work off the purchase price if they haven't done work. So maybe they bought it cash to get it to go through quickly or something like that um or maybe the client was keen to have a cash buyer for it to go through quickly that sort of thing
0: okay so they can they can buy a property say auction or just traditional methods and as mm-hmm. long as they do significant work to the property say they buy it for sixty five thousand, they spend 20 grand on it it's now worth 110 then within six months you guys will consider it as long as there's sufficient evidence to support the uplifting
1: yes. value which it yes. makes sense okay yeah. so we we rely on the rely on the valuer to tell us what it's worth um just from past experience sometimes when people do those quick renovations they maybe tend to think it's worth more than what it is <laughs> um yeah. but as long as the valuer values it at what they say
0: Yeah, I guess it's dependent on the valuer's comment as well as the the evidence they show. Okay,
1: of course. Yeah. So as much as we can give to the valuer, so we don't we don't ask for like a statement, um, like a receipts or anything like that, but we just ask for a statement of works just to confirm what they've done. It helps for us to give to the valuer to say, okay, you can see that this client bought it for fifty grand two months ago, but as you can see, they've done X, Y, Z. That's why we're saying it's now uplifted in value.
0: Yeah, yeah, so if they were, like, doing the labour themselves, like they're ripping out the kitchen, ripping up the carpets, could they put their time down for that, the, the money that they would normally pay for someone to do that? So would that No, be- so
1: because we're not asking for receipts, we're not doing, like, purchase price plus costs. Okay. So, um, it, obviously, are not paying someone a day rate if they're doing it themselves and they're builders. We understand that. It's more so what they've done and like what they've spent and it, it, you know explaining to us that they they are a builder and they've managed to get this at pop price and and whatever yeah. but as long as a value of value is what they say fine.
0: so i guess it for the underwriter, it's just an overview what you paid for it what you've done to the property how long it's taken and then that plus the value comments happy days yeah. cool okay i got one for you i got a student trying to buy an investment property Okay. Um, but their, their father is going to be on the, on the application. So okay. father's got their own property, um, has income, student doesn't mm-hmm. have no income, no property experience, but wants to be on the application to buy their first investment. Now, they're not going to live in the property. It's okay. just an investment. Mm-hmm. They want to start getting an income, and um, father's in the background going to support the application. Would you yeah. guys consider that one because of the foot? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's fine because because you've got dad. So the only thing we'd say is dad um, a landlord at all? Is he just owned
0: uh, his He owns his own property. No other properties in the grant. No other buy to let. So it'll be first. Their first investment together.
1: Yeah. So as long as dad owns twenty five thousand,
0: fine. Perfect. So that's the minimum income for land base twenty five k. Yeah. Yeah,
1: twenty five if they've not been a landlord before, and then. Um, 15 if they if they have usually we say joint so if you had missed like three applicants or two applicants just collectively as long as they get to 25 but because son is first time liar first time buyer first time landlord we just can't include his income but you said he didn't have any income, so.
0: no no okay cool um yeah. And in terms of, I always think it's important to ask around the lenders where the funding comes from in the background. Is there like a couple of funding lines or if you want to talk about that, can you give us a little insight into how the deals are funded?
1: Yeah, so I I can't name anyone, (laughs) Um, but yeah, we have a couple of funding lines. Um, You probably, as you read earlier that we were peer-to-peer lending, Um, we came out of that in, I think it was like December, 2019. Um, so that we could expand a little bit more. Um, so, and, and, to be honest, only a small amount of our business was done through that beforehand. Anyway. Um, so yeah, main, we have like two main funding lines that, that we use. Um, and I, I, guess the aim would be to get a couple more or, um, see, see how the year goes, see, see what happens basically.
0: Yeah. And I, I think from an investor's point of view, it's really good to understand because, um, the funding lines can they can determine normally the appetite for the lending and course, if there's yeah. just like you know we spoke about I don't know, social housing or service accommodation and if there was other funding lines then maybe that that would help um, but also equally like there was some lenders with only like one funding line and like last year and that that they pulled that and then it left the lender kind of exposed and I just think it's it's good to kind of understand that because we all want to keep moving forward and just see who we're working with. And I get asked a lot. So, so a lot of le- like investors come into the market know about Barclays and Halifax and Santander. You start talking about Land Bay and Shawbrook and Hampshire, and they, they suddenly go, okay, I, I understand. I trust you, but I don't, I've never heard of them. Tell me a bit more. So they want a bit of a, a story, story. So hopefully this podcast can help them familiarize themselves with, with Land Bay and what you guys do. Um, I really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. So last one, 2021 plans for Land Bay kind of what, what, what are you guys looking to do moving forward? I know you kind of touched on it earlier, more, more of the same, hopefully, but from your point of view.
1: Yeah, so um, increased volume. Um, for us, we want to just build more relationships as BDMs. As soon as we can get out again, we just want to see all of you. Yeah,
0: because get- yeah, I, ma- I imagine for yourself, being a business development manager, normally your, your job is a relationship building, right? So going out meeting client brokers, clients, so it's, yeah. wherever you need to um and now it's kind of all on on zoom i'd imagine or
1: yeah i mean i do zoom, zoom is great like I, you know it, it's amazing that we we can do this it's just find with a, a brand new broker that you've never met before sometimes it can be a little bit harder to build a relationship yeah. on video than it yeah. is if you go into their office or or whatever
0: yeah. especially if they haven't got their camera on or the mic's not working quite yeah well.
1: <laughs> yeah i think i i had a i had a zoom with um a lady um previously and as i as i came onto to it she was like really sorry we're having worked in our house and i'm like in my shed like i'm really sorry <laughs> I, I was just like I don't panic she was like it looks like i'm in a sauna but i'm not <laughs> um but it yeah it has been funny and i'm i'm le- well, lucky that i don't have little ones at home to homeschool or anything yeah um, but i have dogs that decide to bark as soon as i answer the phone so it's yeah <laughs> it's a weird
0: weird time <laughs> weird times it's challenging but the thing is that everyone's in the same boat aren't they so in terms of working mm. from home and doing a zoom call so uh, you know i've i've done i've had client meetings where the client had a two-year-old just literally climbing all over him, and he's like, joe I'm so sorry." And I'm like, "Look, it's fine." And I'm just trying to be professional, focus on the deal, helping the client. And the two-year-old is just like waving his backside in, in my face, and I'm just like, "Oh gosh!" But you know, it, it, we've all we've all been there. You know, you've got the postman at the door and all this stuff. Yeah. So it, it, it's all good. Um, at least we can. But yeah, I think just to,
1: to carry on like we um, have been, carry on growing, carry on going forward.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: when uh service levels and stuff like that as well like just make sure that that journey for brokers is just as smooth as possible um investments in tech and stuff like that just to make everything the the whole journey with lambay as easy as possible
0: yeah and and how so obviously everyone's everyone's working from home i'd imagine at the moment and how is how is (laughs) Like the, the turnaround time for deals I mean we're seeing like the residential market realistically four or five months, and yes. we get offer, mortgage offers out in the buy to let investment markets in like another five, six weeks to get that completed. And I think it's really important for anyone listening if you're buying property at the moment, you need to be setting the expectations of the uh, estate agent, the vendor, and the solicitors because if you don't set that expectation you're going to have pressure on you. From day one. You've got to remember people working from home, skeleton staff, systems might be a little bit slower. There's still the property market it seems to still be open at the moment. So mm-hmm. uh, there's still movement. So there's a bit of competition. But how is it Abby, from, from you guys at the moment? What's your kind of turnaround times are you aware of?
1: Um, so we're like three to five working days on like documents and underwriters picking up um cases from when they've been app signed and um app fee paid um the main thing so as soon as valuation is paid it's instructed on that day and then um the panel team tend to get it booked it's usually like 48 hours you know with them ringing and getting whoever's going to go out um trying to get hold of the client that sort of stuff um main thing is SLAs on so on the normal valuations, the SLAs are usually about five working days. On anything um, like the HMO, small stuff is seven. And then anything really large, so like big Red Book vows, are about 10 working days. So it's just getting into the swing of all that sort of stuff. So just getting as much stuff that you can into underwriters as quickly as possible so that they can basically be ready, apart from just waiting for a vow to come back. Um, so in terms of turnaround times of, you know, ourselves, I don't think it's massively changed. And we don't have like a, so our, we've got our phones where we've got some guys on the direct line that you call through if you couldn't get rid of holding BDM if you wanted to do it that way. Um, however, if they don't, if they're on another call or they're doing something, it flicks to all us BDMs. So we answer it as well. as. So we don't have, and we ha- do have a voicemail service as well. as. So I think we only get about, normally about four voicemails a day really um so most of them are, are picked up by us so you don't have that waiting on hold for 45 minutes or, <laughs> or anything like that so
0: yeah which which you can get with some of the maybe the high street yeah things, and right? I,
1: yeah i understand I know, you know we're not as busy as you you your high your street bus- yeah like that you know so of course it's never going to be like that with us but we are lucky that you've still got the access to, you get direct access to underwriters with us. So you've still got their direct dial, you've still got that email that you can speak to them, um, You can speak to the decision maker on your case. And with everything at the moment, that's probably pretty key. Um, I think
0: it's really helpful that because some cases are really quirky and like mm-hmm. you know, the structure, the income, how it's made up, where the deal is and having that ability to talk to the underwriter and help them understand it. From your point of view from the client's point of view it can really help move a case
1: along yeah which is it's nice just to be able to pick up the phone and explain what's going on because yeah. sometimes an email it doesn't come across right and yeah it's, it's you can talk through the documents together and that that's quite a nice thing that we have and um, i think the main thing is that 31st of march stamp duty deadline that everyone is pushing pushing yeah and you know people are still asking deals now that they want it they're putting deals in now that they're thinking it's going to go by 31st of march and it i can't guarantee anything because it's down to solicitors getting that through and they're all working towards that date for multiple clients so yeah. it's just saying
0: that's what i was going to say you need you're going to need some, <laughs> a good set of solicitors to get that deal through and, have all yeah. your in the row and then also hopefully that solicitor's not stacked with additional cases of course
1: yeah because everybody's working to the same deadline so probably all their clients are asking to go by then so it's just yeah it's it's difficult at the moment because you think oh do you think you can get it through by then i like you can get an offer by then definitely i don't know completion is gonna be sort of thing so
0: yeah um okay so and i said last one but this is the last one so um last year a lot of bounce-back loans there's like millions and millions of pounds of bounce-back loans given out so a a lot of clients that we we got introduced to or been working with they had bounce-back loans just sitting in their account they didn't do anything with them what's like Lambay's view on bounce-back loans would you consider an application where bounce-back loans there in the background or is it case by case how do you look at it
1: it is case by case um but it is if as long as we can Prove and solicitors prove that that bounce back loan is not being used for the deposit for the purchase, or um, that client isn't any in any financial sort of difficulty or anything like that. Um, then, then we're okay with it. I, I understand. We had like I had a broker recently where a client had like I think they had like ten or eleven limited companies, and they took one on every single one. Um, so, in and it was just a, a just in case if something happens sort of thing so we understand that people did that so
0: that's okay. yeah and i guess every everyone's situation is slightly different with the various company structures and why they do it so i guess uh, again it's back to that honestly being transparent with the broker so they can understand it position it in a way that's um reassures the lenders make them comfortable and move move the deal forward but
1: yeah
0: <clears throat> gabby i just want to say thank you very much for coming on um okay. land Bay are great <laughs> land bay are a great lender guys we've used them loads of times got some really good deals through for our clients six bed HMOs, six seven bed hmos loads of buy to lets um they're lending up and down the country funds available to lend in this market which is good news if you want any more information about land bay or if you want um you're looking at applications at the moment and feel free to reach out you can go on our website ramsinwhite.com or you can reach out at inquiries at ramsinwhite.com or feel free to call the office number which i'll put on the show notes um gabby thank you very much again for your time and i'm sure we'll be speaking soon about new cases and uh yeah thank you very much
1: yeah brilliant thanks so much
0: thank you bye